A man killed in a Montreal jail, RCMP spending on protesting made public, the tentacles of McKinsey reach across the Trudeau government, extended copyright given to dead artists, and a major road accident in Senegal leaves 40 dead. Good morning. It's Monday, January 9th. Here are your headlines. We start today in Montreal. Nikos André Spring, a black man, was killed at the Bordeaux prison in Montreal. He was being held illegally. He died following an altercation with guards who placed a spit guard on him and proceeded to pepper spray him multiple times, as reported by the community newspaper The Suburban. Spring was supposed to be released on December 23rd, yet was still incarcerated on December 24th when he was attacked by prison staff. The Suburban reports that two staff people in the prison were suspended, a correctional officer and a manager. The Red Coalition is calling for an investigation and for video of the incident to be released. At a press conference last week, Red Coalition's Director of Racial Profiling and Public Safety, Alain Babineau, made it clear that the family is looking for more information. He said that when people lose faith in institutions like police, it causes tremendous harm and that police have a responsibility to provide the family and the community more information. Next to British Columbia, where CBC is reporting that the RCMP has spent nearly $50 million on policing the pipeline and logging standoffs. The article by Brett Forrester reports that the Community Industry Response Group has received millions and millions of dollars to police protest sites, occupations, blockades, and civil disobedience protesting large energy projects. Forrester writes that the Community Industry Response Group was formed in 2017 and has no defined territorial jurisdiction, an unknown number of members, and no set budget. It goes where industry meets land occupations, blockades, and civil disobedience. In 2001-2002 alone, the Community Industry Response Group spent more than $18 million on Ferry Creek alone. Policing Trans Mountain cost about million and Coastal Gas Link, $27.6 million. Now to the federal government, where the American firm McKinsey has been receiving many, many contracts from the federal government. In fact, they've received 30 times more dollars than the Stephen Harper conservatives sent the company. This revelation came as a result of a Radio-Canada investigation into federal contracts with McKinsey by Romain Chouet and Thomas Gerbet. Folks might remember McKinsey as the American firm that was involved in the response after Loblaws was accused of price-fixing their bread. Immigration and Refugee Canada was the department that seemed to pay the most for McKinsey's services. Almost half of the total spending on McKinsey was from this department. 
The Radio-Canada report said that, according to contracts, McKinsey was hired by Immigration and Refugee Canada to implement various strategies for quote-unquote transformation. There were 10 meetings held with the department, but no public details were released or found by the journalists about what happened in those meetings. The journalists did talk to one of the sources about these meetings who said, quote, we had a few presentations on very generic, completely vapid stuff. They arrived with nice colors, nice presentations, and said they would revolutionize everything. The report also makes mention of a group called the Advisory Council on Economic Growth. This was a group that was established ahead of the budget to give Bill Morneau recommendations. The group was chaired by a guy called Dominic Barton. Dominic worked for McKinsey. He chaired the advisory council from 2016 and 2019. He left McKinsey in the middle of that term, though had worked for the firm for 30 years. A month after Barton left McKinsey, the firm started its first contract with Immigration and Refugee Canada. Barton's a name you might remember because he was named ambassador to China in 2019. That was a time where you might remember the two Michaels were making headlines and our relationship with China was starting to be quite chilly. Barton didn't stay in that post for very long. He held it for two years and then joined the mining firm Rio Tinto as one of its leaders. Unsurprisingly, the contracts did not seem to be put to tender. Now, this is an investigation that's got a lot of other details in it, and I really encourage you to look it up. McKinsey is a firm that's name looms large in the management of the pandemic, not just the federal government and what you can read in this report, but also in how provincial governments managed the pandemic and their pandemic responses. CBC has reported that McKinsey was hired by the Ontario government to create an organizational structure for the pandemic response at a cost of $1.6 million. McKinsey, now I'm quoting from an article by Trevor Dunn, McKinsey also assisted the government with its COVID-19 recovering planning at a cost of $3.2 million. So almost $5 million there spent by the Ontario government. And Thomas Gerbeck uncovered that the Quebec government paid the firm million for their COVID response. In a report on the investigation by Jacob Sarabin at the Canadian Press, he wrote that the report found that it was $35,000 a day spent on McKinsey, and they, quote, played a key role in the Quebec government's pandemic response, conducting strategy meetings and advising the government on the purchase of personal protective equipment. Far from listening to the scientists, it seems that our government officials have instead been listening to the lobbyists. One final piece of Canadian news uh, that may have slipped your radar. On December 30th, I don't know what you were doing, I wasn't paying too much attention to the news, but the federal government extended the period of time it will take for works to enter the public domain. Previously, that was 50 years after the artist's death. Now it's 70 years. Mia Rabson at the Canadian Press reported that the change was agreed to by Canada way back in 1998 under NAFTA. The deadline to make this change was December 31st, 2022. It puts Canada in line with many other countries that have the same 70-year period of time that works do not enter the public domain. 
But it also benefits corporations and the families or the businesses that hold this copyright that try to monetize older works at the expense of average people being able to use these works for free. Oftentimes, these works have been so consumed that there isn't much commercial viability in them any longer. Robson quotes Professor Michael Geist, who, quote, accused the government of burying the change by putting it near the bottom of a nearly 450-page budget document last spring. The government didn't highlight the Copyright Act changes in any of its documents about the bill. And she notes, of the 3,998 news releases released last year by the federal government, nothing mentioned changes to copyright law. So bad news for average folks that might want to write fanfic of, I don't know, Lucy Maud Montgomery. Good news for the folks that still hold copyright over these works. And finally, in international news, I want to highlight that near the town of Kefrin in Senegal, a massive bus accident has killed 40 people and injured 87. The bus was on its way to Rosso near the border with Mauritania, and it looks like the bus blew a tire which sent it into the path of an oncoming bus head-on. President Macky Sall has called three days of mourning. Those are your headlines for today. It's Monday, January 9th. Welcome back to work if you're going back to work for the first time, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.